0: And they're like, oh, well, Jesus says this, or the Bible says that, or uh, uh, God said that blah, 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 fill in the blank, right? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to tackle some of those ideas. So in week two, we're going to look at this concept that God won't give you more than you can handle. How many of you guys have heard that before? Yeah, um, God never said that. Uh, Week three, uh, we're going to look at God helps those who help themselves, I mean, you guys heard that one before in church quite a few times. Well, he never said that either. Um, and in week four, we're going to look at if you had more faith, God would answer your prayers, which you've probably heard that as well. And again, God never said that. And today, what we're going to look at is this concept and this idea that above all else, God wants you happy. Above all else, God wants you happy. And we we, we hear that and it's kind of tongue in cheek a little bit and we kind of think, uh, well, nobody really thinks that. But people really do think that and really do believe that and really do actually pattern their lives after that concept. And they use verses like Psalm chapter 97, verse 12, the New Living Translation. It says, may all who are godly be happy. They look at that and they say, they use that as a proof text. you guys know what a proof text is? You'll see a lot of proof texts coming up in this uh, political season. Essentially, a proof text is where you take a passage of scripture and you remove it completely out of context and use it to prove your point, right? And you guys are going to see a lot of, of that going on. And you probably see a lot of that going on. So people use this as a proof text. They say, may all who are godly be happy. See, above all else, God wants me to be happy. If I'm godly, I'll be happy, If I draw near to God, I will be happy. If I'm doing the things that God wants me to do, I will be happy and happy, happy, happy. And essentially what we do is we create this theology of happiness. We create this theology of happiness as the foundation and the bedrock for how we live life, for the decisions we make, how we respond to things, how we're proactive to things, how we spend our money, what we do for a living. All of these things come together to create this kind of theology of happiness. And this theology of happiness has two main points. The first point is that whatever makes me happy must be right. Because above all else, God wants me happy. And so whatever makes me happy, it must be right. So whatever doesn't must be wrong. Right? Makes sense in our theology of happiness. Whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever doesn't make me happy must be wrong. The second point is discomfort, delay, risk, and suffering cannot be God's will. Discomfort cannot be God's will, because he wants me happy. Delay cannot be God's will, because he wants me happy. Anything that's risky and requires me to, I don't know, have faith and trust, anything that's risky can't be God's will, because he wants me happy, and when things are risky, I'm not happy, and above all else, God wants my happiness. Any sort of suffering or trials or storms that we go through, that that can't be God's will, because God wants me happy. And so we build this kind of theology of happiness, and what it does is it sets the wrong foundation for us to begin with. We're we're, we're setting our feet in this idea that God wants us happy above all else, and when we do that, what it does is it sets us on the wrong path. It sets the trajectory of our life in the wrong direction to where we begin to chase happiness. And we think that happiness is the goal and happiness is the answer and happiness is the byproduct of a life lived for God. And happiness becomes paramount and it becomes supreme. And so rather than the Holy Spirit directing our steps, like we talk about all the time in here, about how, you know, last week we talked about the fruit of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is God in us. And rather than allowing that voice in us, the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct our steps, instead we begin to chase happiness. And when we begin to chase happiness, we begin to believe that God exists to serve us, not the other way around, right? You ever meet those people that approach God like a genie, right? And it's like, oh, I'm just going to pray real hard, and then I'm going to win the lottery. What? Right? He's like this genie waiting up there. He lives for us. He's here to make us happy. Because our foundation is set in this theology of happiness. But don't get me wrong, okay? I'm not like a hater in here this morning, okay? Don't get me wrong. God definitely loves it when we're happy, right? I mean, like any good father would, right? We've seen seen the song, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, right? And so he, he wants us happy. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love it when my kids are happy. I'm a dad. I have four kids. And I love it when my kids are happy. I really do. I, I just think it's so great to see their faces light up with joy, and they're smiling, and any of you who have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're running around, they're excited, and all this stuff, and so um, this past week, we did something cool. We, we went backyard camping. When you can't get away, just throw a tent in your backyard, and your kids think it's the coolest thing ever, right? So we threw a tent up in our backyard, and we did backyard camping, and I have a fire pit in my backyard, and so one of the things that makes my boys I have a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old boy, and um, one of the things that makes them extremely happy is making a big fire in this fire pit, right? And then they take these big sticks, and they stick them in the fire, but they leave it to where the handle's still sticking out, right? handle and the stick. And so it catches on fire. And then they pick them up, and it's like real-life blazing lightsabers, right? And so they think it's the coolest thing in the world. They're like, zoom, 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 with like these fire-blazing sticks, right? Doesn't that? I mean, that sounds awesome. Does that... Does that not sound awesome to you? It sounds awesome. I totally understand why they think it's awesome, right? And that makes them so happy, right? And I love it when my kids are happy, but when that starts taking place, happiness is not my top priority. My children's happiness is not my top priority. It's like, whoa, whoa, right? Because I've seen firsthand what that can do. My brother, uh, when he was young, he had a sparkler, and he's like, man, this looks cool. Wonder what it'd look like if I touched my face with it. And like, No eyebrows for a while. It was crazy. Um, But, you know, at that moment, their happiness is not my top priority. I want my kids happy, but their happiness is not my top priority. Another example is, for some reason, we can be in the store, right? Like we went to Sam's Club yesterday. We can be in the store, and my kids are like around me, right? They're close. I say hold my hand, they hold my hand, or they hold onto the buggy, they stay with me, whatever. But for some reason, as soon as you cross this threshold called a curb into the parking lot, they no longer think it's cool to hang out close to me. They think, how can I run as fast as I can in as many directions as possible? I think they communicate amongst each other without me knowing, because they're like, on the count of three, one, two, three, go! And they just disperse in the parking lot. And the joy on their face, there's like tears coming back because they're running so fast, and just like, oh! And they got the ugly face, with their, their cheeks are waving. They're flying through the parking lot, and it is, they're full of joy and happiness. But again, in that moment their happiness is not my top priority. Above all else, in that moment, I do not want them happy. I want them near me and safe because they're little people and cars don't see little people, right? And so I have to continually remind them of that. And so it's not that God doesn't enjoy when we're happy and God doesn't desire us to be happy, but here's the deal. God does not want us to pursue happiness, Our foundation doesn't need to be laid in this happiness, and the trajectory and and direction of our life doesn't need to be pursuing and chasing happiness. God doesn't want us to pursue happiness. God wants us to pursue him, and there's a fundamental difference there. There is a huge difference there, so let's pray together, and then we'll kind of unpack this a little bit further. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity we had to come together and just have like a, 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 an intimate time of worship, um, kind of stripped back without the band and all that stuff, that we can just really let our hearts connect with your heart. And God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and hang out with our brothers and sisters in Christ, our faith family, and um, you know, talk with one another and fellowship and all that stuff. And God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to open your word and to allow your word to speak to us and to change us and to lead, guide, and direct us as we travel this journey called life. God, I pray this morning that you would open us up, that you'd make us receptive to your truth. I pray that you'd soften our hearts and that you'd open our minds. And God, I pray this morning that we would leave encouraged, that we would leave challenged, and that we would leave changed today. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Awesome. So uh, what I want to do this morning is I want to highlight two specific instances where our happiness is not God's top priority. Two particular situations where our happiness is not God's top priority. And the first one is this. God does not want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. God does not want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. Essentially, if it causes you to do something stupid or sinful. God doesn't want you happy if it's pursuing those things, if that's the driving force of what you're doing, or that's the result of what we're doing. And we do this all the time, if we're being honest, right? We do this all the time. We 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 uh, we chase the wrong thing and the unwise thing because we're seeking happiness. Point in case, ready for this? Credit cards. Credit cards. Now, some of you, a very small percentage of you use credit cards for your business, and that's how they track how you're spending or whatever. use it for rewards points, and you pay them off at the end of the month and all this stuff. Some of you are that disciplined, but I would say the mass majority of us, myself included, are not that disciplined, right? And so credit cards, credit cards, they justify doing the wrong thing, the unwise thing, to make us happy right? Because if you could really afford what you're buying, you would use your money, not the money that they're charging 20 to 25% interest on every month. If you could really afford it, if it was really the wise decision to make. And so if we have credit card debt in this room, if we have credit card debt in this room, that is point in case that we're justifying doing unwise things for happiness. Oh, but... But it would just make me so happy to have that or to have that. Well, I can't really afford it, but, you know, I I can pay it off in a couple of months and I'll work it out. It's an unwise decision. You're spending tons of money a month in interest. It's an unwise decision to justify your happiness. We do this all the time. We do this all the time. Another example is premarital sex. I don't know if you guys know this, but as a Christ follower, when you, you know, follow Jesus, it's, 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 it's not right to have sex before you're married. Mar- sex is designed within the covenant of a marriage relationship, right? But we have this idea of the guy's like, well, I got needs, man. You know, I just, I got needs. I got I got needs. And the girl's like, oh, but we're just so in love. I mean, we're already married in our hearts. Doesn't that count? We do something unwise or sinful, and we justify it because it makes us happy. It makes us feel good in the moment, right? It's this idea that happiness is our driving force or divorce. And I don't want to get on anybody who's, you know, this is not like a shaming fest and a guilt fest and all this stuff. That's not where I'm going at all. But many times you hear of people when they get a divorce, what's one of the main things that they say? I, I just wasn't happy. She wasn't doing it for me anymore. He wasn't emotionally available. I just wasn't happy. Happiness just wasn't there. I just want to be happy, right? And so I'm not saying that to shame people who have gone through the pain and the heartbreak of divorce, but those of us that are maybe in that conversation right now, you know, and you're having those discussions and those fights and all this stuff, we're doing the wrong thing because we're chasing happiness. We do it all the time. And if this paints a picture of any of us in particular, we need to kind of have a wake up call and say, oh, okay, wait a second, is, is, is our theology of happiness our driving force? Are we just trying to chase happiness in all that we do? Is that the foundation and the trajectory in which we're traveling? Because our theology of happiness can infiltrate us on every single level, right? We begin to read passages like this. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 15, we say, but now you must be happy in everything you do just as God is happy. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 15. Look it up in your Bible. But now you must be happy, and everything you do just as God is happy. See, our theology, that's not really what that says, but our theology of happiness, it taints the way we read and interpret scripture. You have entire books and entire sermon series, entire churches full of people saying, Be happy. God wants you happy. Happiness above all else. Happy, 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 happy. Right? It taints the way we approach and read scripture, but not only that, it taints the way we read and interpret life. And everything in our life becomes about happiness and gratification and all of these different things. See, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 really says, but now you must be holy in everything you do just as God is holy. And oftentimes we exchange holiness for happiness and gratification. And it's a very, very dangerous, dangerous line to walk because God's highest calling is not your happiness. God's highest calling is your holiness. And so God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. Scripture tells us that God calls us to be holy, so be holy in all that you do. And so if we seek God over happiness in our purchases... If we seek God over happiness in our marriage, if we seek God over happiness in our sex life, if we seek God over happiness in our work situations, happiness won't have the power to cause us to do the wrong and unrise things. Happiness won't have that power because we're seeking holiness versus happiness. Does that make sense? And so see how it rocks us at the very foundation? Because last time you bought something, when, when, when was the last time you bought something and paused and said, okay, what does God think about this purchase? What does God think about how I'm spending my money here? What does God think about this? Or are we thinking, happy, 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 happy. I want that, ooh, shiny, big, new, nice, ah, happy, 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 give me, give me, give me, give me happy. I mean, think about it. Same thing in our marriage. When's the last time we looked and said, am I being a godly, am I responding in a godly way, or am I just trying to make myself happy? Do I want her to put all the kids to bed tonight so I can be happy, or do I want to be like Jesus self-serving and say, baby, let me put them to bed, you go put your feet up. I didn't do that last night, but that would be nice if I did. Right? I mean, think about it, In in our relationships, in our marriages, in our purchases, right? In our sex life, especially those of us who are not married yet. Think about it. Or those of us who are married. Am I trying to make me happy, or am I seeking God in this situation, or our work situations? Am I seeking God about my work situations, or am I seeking happiness in my work situation? Because it would make a lot of us really happy to go in and tell off our boss. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Hopefully some of you, your bosses, don't go here. Um, you know, are we seeking God? Are we seeking holiness over happiness in these situations? Because God doesn't want you happy if it's causing you to do things that are wrong and unwise, sinful and stupid. God doesn't want you happy above all else in those circumstances. He wants us to pursue holiness over happiness. The second instance that God does not want you happy is when it's grounded and founded in the things of this world. When it's grounded and founded in the things of this world, God does not necessarily want you happy above all else. All you have to do is turn on the television or surf the internet for five minutes and you'll find out all the things that you need to be happy. Am I right? You need a blanket with a bunch of holes in it that you can stick your arms through because you will be happy. A snuggie, right? That's all over the commercials and stuff. Go on Google or go on Facebook. I, I promise you they're listening to you. We'll talk about something and then I'll get all these ads about that thing the next day. Does anybody else, does that have anybody else? That's creepy. But you look on those ads, right? And it's like, have this and you'll be happy. Have this and your life will be fulfilled. Take this and life will be better, right? If you have this, your life will be better. If you drive that, you'll get the respect that you've wanted in the workplace, right? If you wear this, you'll finally have the confidence that you've been lacking your entire life. Buy this new outfit. Buy this new, this will fill the confidence void that you have. If you buy this, you will finally be happy, right? Things that are founded and grounded in this world. It's like a math equation that we've put together, right? It's this math equation of better possessions plus peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences plus the right relationships plus the perfect, perfect uh, appearance equals happiness. If you have all these, these things, then you will be Happy, 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 right? It's this idea that better possessions, you need the newer, the brighter, the bigger, the faster, the shinier, because then you'll be happy right or 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 peaceful circumstances you need to be uh, guys you need to be on a, on a beach next to a bikini holding a corona or ladies next to a stud on the beach holding a corona then you'll be happy right then you'll be happy the the, the peaceful circumstances or the thrilling experiences come to this sandals resort come to that go on this vacation go do this uh, you know crazy thing chasing the next high then you'll be happy or the right relationships waiting for mr and mrs perfect to make our lives perfect Maybe I'll finally be happy when I meet that other person. Newsflash, you have to be happy first. But when I meet that Mr. or Mrs. Wright, then I'll be happy and I'll be fulfilled or the perfect appearance, right? If I had that new outfit or if I just shave off here and nip here and tuck there and, and, you know, expand here and Botox there and all this different, then then I'll be happy, right? If I could just lose that extra little five, but then I will be happy the idea that all of this coming together makes happiness and creates happiness and creates this, this illusion that everything is great, but above all else, listen, God does not want us happy when it's based on those things, when it's chasing those things. Check out this passage in First John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's like a huge kidney punch right there, is it not? Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. God does not want you happy based on the things of this world. God doesn't want you happy based on your possessions. God doesn't want you happy based on your appearance. God doesn't want you happy you know, based on your relationships and, and your boyfriends and your girlfriends and, and your status car that you drive or the status neighborhood and zip code that you live in. God doesn't want you happy based on those things because all of those things pass away. All of those things are fleeting. They're all happenings, right? He doesn't want your happiness based on happenings. God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something unwise and sinful. God doesn't want you happy if it's based only on the things of this world. So here's the crux of of the discussion. Here's here's kind of the hinge point of, of the situation. Above all else, God does not want you happy. God wants you blessed. Above all else, God does not want you happy. God wants you blessed. Because happiness is based on happenings, but being blessed is based on the goodness of God through relationship. And there's a fundamental difference there. What's really cool, the Greek word that's used in the New Testament for, for blessed is this word makarios, and it literally is translated to mean more than happy. Isn't that cool how that works out? God doesn't want you happy, God wants you blessed and blessed doesn't mean a license plate on the front of a car that you can't afford okay because that's the the, if you you guys know exactly what i'm talking about they got that weird cursive uh you know font that says blessed on the front of the pink cadillac and they get out and you're like you can't afford that pink cadillac oh but i'm blessed praise jesus right i mean come on Right? Blessed does not mean a license plate on the front of a car that you can't afford or a sign on the door of a house that you can't afford. Okay? That is not what blessed means. Blessed does also does not mean that there's no trials in your life. Blessed does not mean that there's no storms, there's no struggles, there's no fights with your spouse, there's no bad days at work, there's no struggles and frustrations at work, there's no frustrations with your kids. That's not what blessed means. Blessed is having the goodness of God in the middle of the trials, in the middle of the storms, in the middle of the frustrations. Does that make sense? And so God doesn't want us happy. God wants us blessed. And so I started the discussion this morning with Psalm chapter 97, verse 12. Remember that, that proof text that I told you about? Well, let me, let me reread it and read the, actually the whole verse. It says, may all who are godly be happy in the Lord And praise his holy name. May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his holy name. You see, there's something cool that begins to happen, something awesome when we begin to pursue God. Something really, 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 really awesome takes place. There's something awesome that happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, like we've been talking about the last few weeks something really, really cool happens. It's outlined in Psalm chapter 37, verse four. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. This is another one of those proof texts where they take it and they say, see, God wants you happy. God wants you to have all your heart's desires. But that's not where it was going when it was originally written in the Hebrew. See, the Hebrew word for the word delight here, it literally means to be made soft and pliable to be made soft and pliable. And so it's this idea, make yourself soft and pliable to the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know what that means? That the closer we draw to Jesus, the more that our heart becomes like his heart. And the desires of our heart become the desires of God. Does that make sense? See, he wants relationship with us because he wants the things that break his heart begin to break our heart. The things that make his heart full of joy and excitement make our heart full of joy and excitement. The things that frustrate his heart begin to frustrate our heart. And so it says, make yourself pliable and soft to the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. As we pursue the things of God over the things of this world, when we pursue holiness over happiness, our heart's desires begin to mold, to mirror the desires of God. And so then we are even more fulfilled than we even could have been with the snuggies and the cars and the houses and all this different stuff. Because we are having the desires of our heart fulfilled because the desires of our heart are aligning with the desires of the heart of God. Does that make sense? And so it's very, 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 very important that we chase holiness over happiness. God never said his top priority is our happiness God cares about our holiness. God cares about relationship with him. God cares about the things that we've been talking about the past few weeks, especially last week, talking about the fruit of the spirit and how we need to allow God in us to lead, guide, and direct our lives. Not a chasing in pursuit of happiness, but allow holiness from the inside to direct the trajectory of where we're going. To seek God, not chase happiness. To chase holiness, not Happiness, because God wants us to delight in Him and conform to His likeness, He wants that and desires that for us, so not above all else, God doesn't want us happy, He wants us holy, and He wants relationship with us. let's pray together God, I thank you so much for this morning. I pray as as, as we were you know talking and, and looking at your word, I pray that if any sort of red flags went off in our hearts and went off in our lives, in our heads, like, man, that's an area that I maybe need to check with God or I need to check with the Holy Spirit. I pray not only would you give us the, the, the insight into that, but I pray that you give us the courage and the strength to do something about it, to make a change where change is necessary, to do an evaluation of ourselves and say, God, am I driven by a theology of happiness? Am I pursuing a work situation because of happiness? Am I pursuing a relationship because of happiness? Am I pursuing possessions because of happiness? Am I making decisions and justifying them with happiness or am I seeking you? Am I seeking the Holy Spirit? Am I seeking holiness? God, I pray this morning that you would enable us and empower us to have those conversations. And God, I pray that you would encourage us and challenge us knowing that following Jesus in a relationship with God makes life better, but it also makes us better at life. Not this pursuit of happiness, but this relationship with you, this holiness. And God, if there are those of us in this room who have never even began this relationship or started this relationship, I pray that you'd send your Holy Spirit now and let them feel your arms, embrace them. And they would know it's just a simple conversation of saying, God, let's do this. It's a simple conversation that takes a moment, but it's a relationship that lasts and works out a lifetime. God, I love you, we praise you, we adore you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said.